When you love farming, you want to talk about it all the time. Real people, real farms, grassroots. This is the Ontario AgCast. Welcome to the Ontario AgCast. The Ontario AgCast is proud to be part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network. For all the best agricultural podcasts and agriculture video blogs, be sure to check out farmruralag.com. I'm your host, Wendell Shum, and my guest today is Sally Van Stratton. Sally and her husband, Mike, are egg producers near Sebreenville in Perth County. Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And I don't know why I had I felt compelled to explain that Sebreenville is in Perth County. Sometimes I get quite specific about where these small towns in Ontario are, but in my mind, for some reason, Sebreenville is like a smaller town than most small towns. It is. It is. It's more of like it's got a light and there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> there are a lot of houses, <laughs> but mostly if you say, you know what the lights in Sebringville? And then they go, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> right. And, um, or, it, well, it's near Stratford. Okay, yeah, I know where Stratford is. And then they're right. okay. But, like uh, yeah. 10 minutes west of Stratford and... Not even. Well, it's like more like two or three. Like right. really, We're two and a half concessions from Stratford. And Stratford, of course, is super well known for having this big Shakespeare festival in the summer. Yeah. And now it's getting to have a whole bunch more really, really good like theater musicals, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What would Seabreenville be best known for? Too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really good rest, good restaurants. Trevor. What would Seabreenville yeah. be best known for? <laughs> the little place that's in between Stratford and Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> so, in you and Mike, and sorry, and how many kids? We have four children. Four, so and you're hiding in the barn, you told me, from the yeah. from the children. Yeah, they got off the bus shortly after four, came in the door screaming about something, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I got them, told them, you know, my mom's going to have a phone interview, so everybody's got to leave me alone. Here's the iPad, <laughs> here's the computer, get a snack. Vanessa, you know, she's the oldest. Try and wrangle everybody, but don't get in a fight. <laughs> okay, so give us the names and ages, just so I have a reference. So Vanessa, she's our oldest, and she's going to be 12 in August. And Curtis just turned, he's our second oldest. He just turned 10 in April. And Janie will be 8 in June. And George is our youngest. He just turned 5 in April. He just went off to JK in the fall, so it's a huge life change with that's when we started our egg production as well. Right, so. and that's sort of one of those milestone events where your youngest goes off to, to JK and then all of a sudden, you know, sort of from the hours of, I don't know, what, like 8.30 to 2, like there's no or, kids at Yeah, no, well, right. they get off the bus at 4, so. Oh, my goodness. I'm, yeah, so I have a big gap there. And <laughs> it just kind of worked out there that that's the new, our birds went in September 21st, you know, our, all the kids went off to school, um, I think it was September the 8th last year. Birds were supposed to come on the 11th, and then they got pushed off. So we had a bit of a transition period there. And we were ready, though, by mid-August, so which was nice. We were nice and early. Amazingly, everything worked out for our build. So mm-hmm. I'm picking up that you are new egg farmers. You, you haven't been yep. egg farmers for very long. No. No, nope, brand spanking new. And you also, like, as well as being egg farmers, like, you have a grain elevator? Yeah, we have a grain elevator, uh, Van Stratton Elevator, 
and we are a satellite receivership for VDB Grains out of Mitchell. VBD Grains. Yeah, VDB Grains. <laughs> and what does that mean to be a satellite receiver? So, like, so we people accept, can drop stuff off there. Yeah, you come to us, we accept your commodities, and then um, they will ship up to Mitchell. That way, the guys don't have to drive as far. So it's like coming to VDB Grains, except you're right around the corner in this area, like, say, northwest of Stratford. All the producers in this area can come to us, and then VDB Grains trucks to their site in Mitchell. And geographically, Perth County is lots of livestock, lots of poultry, lots of crop production. Like, it's... You know, some of the best, yeah, yeah, farmland that there is in in South Coast Ontario. And it would be... Offensive. (laughs) Well, we're not quite as Oxford, but... uh, Right. uh, Well, and now, of course, now you're supply-managed farmers as well. Now you're in the the supply management industry. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're part of the problem driving up the price of land. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Right. It's not the farmers with deep pockets. (laughs) Okay. Gotcha. Is Perth County home for you as well? Like, is this the part yeah. of the world that you grew up in? Okay. Yeah, actually, I grew up in um, Harmony, which is just south of Stratford. So I know that because, yeah. okay, so in Harmony, again, the people from outside of the area don't give a hoot at all about this, but Harmony is one of those, even smaller towns than Sebringville. It's not really like it would be kind of a crossroads, but yep. they dropped the speed limit from 80 kilometers an hour to 60 kilometers an hour. It's kind of a hill. So, I mean, if you are cruising through there, at a nice, comfortable 100 kilometers mm-hmm. an hour, mm-hmm. y- you get a lot of speeding tickets through there. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> we get, right. you're sure you might get cursed at, too, by the people yeah. around me. Because <laughs> my so, grandparents cu- live there. Uh, my whole Jeffrey, like my last name, right. maiden name is Jeffrey, and uh, that whole area is full of Jeffreys. <laughs> I got it. I stopped by the cops there not that long ago. A couple of years ago, our oh, youngest yeah. and I took a road trip to Nebraska, and we took my old 66 Mustang. And oh. when we were done our road trip, like, we wanted to get home. So we drove from Hazard, Nebraska, straight back home here to New Hamburg, all in the same day. So Oh, my God. We, <laughs> yeah, we did that in, I don't know if it was 16 hours, maybe. Anyway, I told Julie when we left, I said, we are very likely to get a speeding ticket on the way home. That's probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we got pulled over in Harmony, about 20 of minutes from home, <laughs> of all places. <laughs> and the, the officer at like, I don't know, 1.30 in the morning, shone his flashlight in and he said, where are you coming from? And I said, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, of course really? You <laughs> <laughs> so he walked around the car, shot the light, looked at everything. He came back and he said, I have given eight speeding tickets so far tonight he goes you're the first one getting off with a warning have a good night <laughs> wow <laughs> so, in other yeah. words i anyway. can't blame you buddy i want to get home too <laughs> yeah no kidding anyway that's probably not the only speeding ticket i ever got in the small town of mm-hmm. yeah and i know i can sort of picture the farm that you grew up on you grew up on a beef farm actually that's my um family relatives i was well oh. you know what scratch that we did have beef beefers growing up when i was younger so we had what i like to call old mcdonald farm so we had a bit of everything and so we when i grew up when i was really young we had pigs and beef cattle all in the same little bank barn and then we had your i had rabbits that i raised for meat rabbits and then we had the you know the meat birds 
chickens in the summer, and we even mm-hmm. had a horse. I had cats, kittens, dogs, everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. You tried a whole bunch of a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah, and then as once the the pig market went for shit there, <laughs> my dad we couldn't afford that anymore. So then we renovated the barn and we just started feeding, finishing or finishing off pigs, feeding for someone else. And right. my dad we- had always worked off farm since I was like probably eight years old. He had started to work full time off the farm as well as farming working in the barn as well as doing the field work and stuff too. Tell me about teenage Sally Jeffries in those days. Were you uh, kind of a rough and tumble tomboy or? Yeah, because I had two older brothers. I had some, I did have a couple girl cousins just down the road, but um, that was about it. We were kind of secluded and any other kids around us were boys and friends with my brothers. So yeah, there was lots of times where I took off back to the bush after my brothers and their friends and you know they tell me to get lost but i was bored i needed something to do <laughs> well right and i have younger sisters and i know they tag along you know and they're annoying like. and yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I i do i can i can and relate, i see that so. with my own kids now i'm like yeah i know where you're coming from but <laughs> <laughs> be nice to your sister right exactly right. it doesn't sound like when you were young what was sort of farming full time something that you wanted to do? I can say I definitely didn't know that that was what I wanted to do, but I was always drawn to the farm. I was quite a homebody. I didn't really go out till I was like 18. I really, I was always at home hanging out with mom and dad and working in the barn. You know, dad, my brothers were off. My oldest brother is five years older than me and my second one is three years older than me. So, you know, they had jobs at 14 and my one brother, he had, my oldest, he had allergies, so he couldn't be in the barn. So I went from the house to the barn all the time. Mom and dad called me Cinderella because if I wasn't <laughs> doing housework, I was doing barn work. And they'd even say, I need Sally to put down straw. Well, I need her to help me do the dishes and the laundry right now. You can have her after that. I'm like, seriously, guys? <laughs> like, wow. this isn't fair. The boys don't have to do this. Oh, you didn't have to sleep that. on the floor by the fireplace, did you? Yeah, sleep in the back no, okay. door with the dog. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. I think I, compl- I complained about it, but uh, looking back at it, I enjoyed it. And if I wasn't helping with the pigs, actually, my uncle and my grandparents, they had dairy cattle. So at age 9, 10, I was always asking to go do tours at nighttime for a ride down the road. I want to go milk cows. So then I'd go milk right, cows. So doesn't- doesn't sound to me like they were twisting your arm to, to get you in the barn then that bad. No, no. Through your teenage years, you're this kind of quiet, you know, homebody, like behaves yep. really well. And then you were not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I did have okay. a job at McDonald's too. And then I started around, I started there when I was 14 and I was 16 and a half or so. Going on my third year at McDonald's, I was like, oh. I can't stand this anymore. I got to get out. (laughs) I want a job on the farm. I need to be outside. And uh, I started milking cows for a dairy farmer. He had about, we were milking about 110 cows. So I started working there um, one spring for full-time work. Because I I just graduated. So I was probably about 17 and a a half then. And then the move to... Ridgetown College, which is connected with the the University of Guelph, but it's not nearly as big, and it's not in a very it's not in the city. So the move from 
sort of small farm in Perth County to an ag school a little farther away. Yeah. Sort of a, is that a gentler transition or is it still kind of Sally goes crazy? Oh, it was definitely Sally went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I started, right. I was got at that notice that you're failing in the first semester. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no, no. It's kind of, yeah, too many, too many new things all at once. Yeah. Those first few months were quite interesting, I guess. <laughs> well, and it is quite it is quite a thing because I can relate to that. You know, like I went to Centralia College when it was a thing, but you know, grew up on the farm and that's your world. And then yeah. you go from there to what most people like Centralia College at that time would have been maybe five hundred people, and it is in a small town as well. But for me, it's like you know, do this, and there's not a lot of not you know opportunity to get in real trouble. And then all of a sudden, you're out partying, and that. You take yeah. the kid off the farm and put him in that environment. Is that mm-hmm. what you went through as well? Yeah, totally. It was just, oh, there's, it was so convenient to go partying and, and we didn't have to drive or worry about, you know, getting home in the country and you could walk to wherever. Or back then they bust us to Guelph to go out on the Thursday night club. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember doing that a couple of times. And Richtown and Guelph are not close together. I mean, no. so when they, you say they bust you to Guelph, like that'd be, yeah, that'd be two and a half hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. At least. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, coming home uh-huh. wasn't fun. Or it was a lot quieter, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. So you were, well, what do they call you? A Richtown and Aggie, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's a two-year egg yeah, business course? Um, well, at that time, it was just called an egg, agriculture diploma course. So it was kind of right. vague okay. in a way, but it, it, you know, I took, poultry class I took um, pork and um, dairy and and there was even grain elevator class as well there's cash cropping there's you know plant and soil health there's lots of different a lot varieties of different courses to take and presumably you sorted out your your partying issues and yes um, got more than one semester in a at Richdown yeah I graduated with an 87 average ah, so i i think course. i brought my my grades back up that's for sure yeah <laughs> very good mm-hmm. very good and then is that where you met christine screenerwood at ridge yeah yeah she was in her right. second year when i was in my first so right we had and is it did you meet your husband together. mike there as well well you see that's what i thought i thought oh for sure i'm gonna meet my husband in college <laughs> and right. i wasn't in i was only three months into school and i met him here at home in stratford at the rodeo <laughs> dance <laughs> wow the stratford rodeo yeah yeah stratford rodeo dance and that's how we met and then we even went to rumors afterwards <laughs> Uh, right. It's a totally of local reference that nobody will get, but thank yep. you for that. Mm-hmm. And it probably doesn't exist anymore either, does it? No, it wouldn't. Okay. All right. So so then did you go back to the farm after college? So after college, yeah, I still lived at home with my parents but and um, worked on the farm with dad whenever I could. So yeah, I graduated in like April and then I actually found a job at the Royal Agriculture Winter Fair in Toronto. So okay, I, what did you do for them? So I was um, data entry clerk there. So I think my oh. contract started in September. And then like two weeks before the fair actually started, I found a full-time job at home for our local newspaper company, which was Stratford Beacon Herald. And okay. because one of my best friends worked there and I had to pay back all my loans for college. So I needed right. I needed full-time money coming in and um, something 
a little more secure because my contract was going to be up soon. So it's, it's worked so out. So what you're saying way. is you left the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair high and dry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. And came back to Stratford. But they completely oh, understood seems... because I, right. I was in Toronto, so I had to live with my aunt and uncle. Thankfully, they were there in Toronto. So I lived with them for a few months while I was there. And then I, I like, was chatting home on the weekends. And then, so yeah, I went home to a full-time job here at the newspaper. And I was reception and accounting there at the newspaper. Okay. But still living at home on the farm then while working at the yep. newspaper. Yeah. So I would help dad get up at six, help him um, either weigh and sort pigs or we had to ship pigs. Shower pigs. He worked for 8.30. Something like that happening. Or, you know, we just got work at five. Well, um, bailed for an hour right now. Um, well, they, or they bailed the straw for us because we'd get um, my uncles to come and do it. Then we'd have like four or five wagons to unload. So then do yeah. all that. Or then my husband, then, you know, boyfriend at the time, they'd want help too with things. So I was always at somebody's house. <laughs> right, Helping. because Mike was a farmer at yeah. this point as well. Yeah, he was a dairy farmer. And um, actually his parents are just one uh, road south of us on the highway here by first Ringville. So he's not very far from where we are now. But um, yeah, we grew up just 10 minutes apart, but not really knowing <laughs> each other. That's how that goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that is. Okay, tell me how you went from working off the farm, has this sort of getting back and now getting into the egg business, was that part of a longer-term plan, or is that how did that come about? So when I was, just before Christmas, when I was in 2008, when I was pregnant with our second child, that uh, the economy went for crap, and uh, the newspaper had to let go of 78 people. So then, um, yeah, I was pregnant and just lost my job week before Christmas. And, you know, my husband, he he was working for his dad, but also working for another pig farmer, taking care of the barn as well. And then we had snow removal, and there was all these issues. And then... At the end, it ended up being that it was cheaper for me to stay home full time rather than trying to find another job and find daycare. And then, since I was home full time, I started doing the, more of the book work for ourselves and then for our um, grain elevator, and just went from there. So tell me about <laughs> that transition a bit. Like, so you had been working at the paper quite a few years then. Yeah, five years I worked there. And how did you find that? Yeah, transition back to working with family and you know at home. It's definitely different, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I definitely like the, um, you know, things go at your own pace, you're your own boss, but I certainly benefited from working. I always enjoyed working with the public, and I think I benefited from that. And just all the uh, accounting experience I got there as well, really tied together with the farm aspect because it all ties together. No matter what, you always need counting somewhere there's always book work to doing my data entry that i had with the royal winter agriculture fair well that comes when we're putting in the slips Mm -hmm. with the grain elevator and so that all all tied together and it it was just a really good experience and glad that it all happened because it totally helps me out here now on the farm and it's been i've raised the kids and now these past few years as they've all got a little older and more independent that i've been able to put more time into the farm and less of being in the background and more on the foreground of everything. So, Is the eggs, is that sort of your yeah, project then? Yeah, that's okay. my baby. <laughs> I run the barn. 
Mike runs the elevator, and then we work together with everything else in between. But, yeah, primarily when we were building the barn, it was always, no, you better ask the boss to see what she wants. Oh. <laughs> right, and that, And yeah. I, and I that's own not... that. I said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> walk in the barn and say, no, I'm mad that I didn't let you, that you convinced me to do it otherwise. I'm not going to let that happen, and I don't want to have that resentment. Because that's not good. So I want to be happy, and I want things the way I want it done from when I walk into the barn every day. Because i got to work out here every day. So So tell me, what does a typical day look like for an egg farmer? For me, personally, uh, I get kids on the bus, and I have breakfast, and I get them out to the barn around 8.30, quarter to 9. And then I usually check on, see if anything's wrong with the conveyor belt or anything like that. Any eggs, any funny issues, I guess, basically. And then I start things up and start picking eggs. And then that usually takes me about an hour. We do have an egg packer. So we're at just 4,400 birds right now in the barn for this first flock. Okay, so chickens are in conventional cages? Just no. Describe so sort of that. No, every, okay. All, all producers as of 2017, I believe, had to, you don't have a choice. You have to go with the enriched housing. Right. Talk a little bit about the difference between, like, what does enriched housing mean? So enriched housing is where it's, um, the the houses are a lot bigger versus six, five to six birds together, you have up to 37 birds. So I call it like a condo because that's what, it's a big, right. it's about 12 by three and they have nesting boxes and they have perching bars, they have scratch pads. There's even nail files on the feeder for them. So all these things are designed to welfare and, and yeah. animal health and more natural behavior. Like it's Yeah, to encourage your natural behavior and Yeah. Yep. And they lay the eggs and then those eggs roll onto a conveyor. Yeah. And then they're all brought up to the front of the barn and that conveyor brings them into the egg room and into the packer. And then I just stack the flats of eggs and put them on the skid. And they go to the cooler. And they go in the cooler and how often does somebody come and pick up eggs? For us, since we have a larger cooler, our flock size isn't that big right now. We are picked up just once a week. Some people, okay. depending on how many birds you have, how many eggs you're producing every day, that will determine when your pickup time is. And what is the goal? Like, what are you striving for to be a good egg farmer? I want to have the bird health to be as best as possible and animal welfare and I want to produce a good quality egg that is also bringing sustainability, but have your best production and animal welfare benefits at the same time, I guess. Right. No, but you're trying to produce a consistent product, um, clean, you know, like you, you don't want to have no, the like eggs cracks, are, you want good no. shell quality, all that stuff. Yeah, your sh you want your shell quality to be low, you want your, cra your cracks to be low, you want a good um, grade A egg produced as, as best as possible. Um, feed cost, best feed cost versus and animal welfare. There's all different many aspects that you want it to all come together, and that's the right. best outcome. So okay, and so there's 4,400 hens in the barn. Are you able to like see them as individuals or kind of group management? So there's different yeah. styles. So there'd be like aviary and free run so there's aviary where uh they have like the same condo housing but there's the doors are all, all open 
And then there's a certain amount of floor space. So there would be, if we were to have that style, then we would be able to have more birds in the barn, like for the amount of space that we have. And then there's free run, which is a different style of housing as well. I think they have more floor space versus housing space. If I'm a consumer at the grocery store, do I understand any of this? Like like the no. difference between conventional and then free run and then, you know, aviary. I mean... They're um, all mixed together at the end of right. the day. They are. You don't know what's coming from where. So Right. And, and so <laughs> for you as a producer... You can't tell. If you put them all together, an organic or free run, um, cage-free versus conventional, enriched, omega, your vitamin D... In, um, enriched eggs, you put them all together on the same table and mix them up, you're, <laughs> you're going to have no idea. You crack them all open here, nothing looks different. And the only time that yolk is ever a different color, it all depends on the diet of the bird. So if they're getting more grain versus, you know, corn or wheat or different, you know, it all depends on how much they're eating or if they're, you know, if they're organic and they're out on the grass, it all depends on their diet. That changes the color of the egg. Right. But that's yep. about it. But in right. my and opinion, so- if you want if you want more flax in your diet, because really the farmer is just paying paying for flax to be put in the feed so the bird can have flax in their eggs. Then you're paying for a higher egg cost because at the end you have to pay for that flax too. So yeah. if you just take get a bag of flax, <laughs> ground flax, you sprinkle <laughs> it on your breakfast in the morning. You can buy cheap eggs, <laughs> but um, the, <laughs> well, farmer, yeah, that, that's the farmer that's producing those flax eggs, they don't want you to know that either. <laughs> right. <Let's laughs> but really, it's really simple when you think about it. And <laughs> whether it's conventional or enriched or free-run or cage-free or organic, all the farmers are doing their best and making sure that those birds are being well taken care of and I always think that like my birds are taken ca- better care of than my kids because I can I have more control <laughs> over it. I can't hmm. control. I can control exactly what my birds are eating, how much water they're getting, the temperature in the barn. You know, make sure they're getting enough calcium, all the vitamins and minerals they need, all through the feed. I know exactly what they're getting, how much. I have all the scales and I have all the numbers and data to prove it all. I can keep an eye on them that way. They're all contained <laughs> in one area. They can't get away on me. <laughs> and I can hear I can hear in your voice, Sally, that you are you're passionate about this. Like I'm very you know, passionate you, about it. Yeah. You're active on social media and you're telling your story about what you do. How did you sort of find your place in that conversation or how did you find the community of people that you belong to? When I was able to get a little more involved, go to a little more the um, meetings that was, you know, put on by different companies and or be it Wallenstein or be it the FCC, just getting out there and talking to other farmers. And then just by when I'd help out more at our grain elevator during the harvest season, I started talking more and then I got more to all of our neighbors getting to know them personally mm-hmm. rather just hearing it secondhand. And then yeah. once I got it, I, you know, started getting more engaged on Twitter. And the one thing that really hit home with me was I had a conversation with someone at a, at a, at a meal at a restaurant in Stratford the one time. And she thought that pigs lived in like condos. Like she thought she was from St. Mary's and she thought that 
pigs were floors upon floors of floors of fat pigs, and, and that's how farmers raised them. And I was like, park? <laughs> I, just, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I said, no, no, we're farmers, and I wouldn't lie to you. I promise. That's not how it is. <laughs> Where did you get your information from? And, oh, I heard it on the Internet. And a friend of mine, they heard thought, too. And I said, no, no. And I thought, Fish. <laughs> I'm like, please look around. Go ask your farmer. I know from your your drive from Stratford to St. Mary's, you would see numerous pork producers. Just look at the barns. Look at the shape. You know, just think about it. Come back to that common sense, <laughs> really. Right. And that's and, what. And it's like, important. It's important that they hear that from farmers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not complicated. You know. It's just something that I feel really passionate about because, you know, I wouldn't want to feed anybody anything and I wouldn't want to feed my own children, you know. I want to give my animals the best possible care that I can with the abilities that I have because at the end of the day, if you're mistreating your animals, you're going to be mistreating your bottom line. So what what's the point of that? That doesn't make any sense to me. That's not smart yeah. farming. And, and with all the things that are available to us nowadays and all the, the knowledge and the people that we have in our back pockets to help us, you know, there's no reason for that. So That's I right. Guess, As we know more, we do better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The more we know, the better we're at it. And, and that's another yeah. reason why I, I, you know, I try to go to Ontario grain farmers meetings and I, I never get out of my comfort zone before because I thought, oh, no, you know, I don't, that's Mike's thing. That's not really my thing. And, well, no, it is my thing. You know, it's part of, you know, that's what's running our farm. And, you know, I might have just been doing the book work for it. But now I'm in the tractor actually doing the field work now that our kids are older and planting the crops for the first time and running the machines and being a lot more involved, actually calling myself the farmer because before I never felt yeah. like I deserved to be called that or you and had that's... to have a certain status or you had to achieve certain <laughs> things in order to be called that. <laughs> You've been a good representative and, and an advocate for women in ag and there's a new project that you're a part of yeah. Th that's happening very soon. Yeah. So actually, I was at the annual um, AGM for the Egg Farmers of Ontario. And the two ladies from Fields to Fork, so Mandy Fields and Tanya DeYoung, they were there as part of our speakers. And um, what is Fields to Forks? So it's a program where they focus on whether it be um, an egg business or a individual farmer, per se, or where they sometimes the the farmer has you know egg business as well or as their own farming practice and then they feature that person or that business and and it's usually runs on CTV London News. Um, and right, it's, it's a local CTV station, and they do a their short uh, uh, programs about about yeah, agriculture about, about agriculture, yeah. and there and it like there's lots of various backgrounds from people. It could be anywhere from, you know, vegetable producer to pork producer to yeah. things like that. So it's really neat. They, okay, so you got connected with these people, yeah. Yeah. And then so they asked us if any of us women from the AGM, if we wanted to talk to them and be in, involved with their women in egg project that they were um, working on and to come and see them. So my husband said, well, you've got a story. Why don't you tell? Why don't you go tell them? Go talk to them. 
And I thought, yeah, thanks. That's right. Let's do this. And so um, then they called us from their station, and then they called a bunch of us for a focus group in London, and we got talking about, you know, what we'd like to see and and what we could do with um, women in agriculture and how we're involved and how things have evolved. They even, from the last 10 years to the last 20 years, how um, our mothers and grandmothers have always been there in the agriculture world, but now we're just at the front more, we're just being spotlighted more often now. They've always been there, but now we're really being put out front and center. Very cool. And I think it's important that the public outside of agriculture gets to see that as well. Yes. Yes, for sure. Because it's not, it's not very often that you hear women talk about, or it's always the, I'm just a farm wife, or I'm just a stay at home mom. But there's so much more to that. The amount of things that can go on in a day and you know, I, I can go from loading a truck at our grain elevator to doing chores in the barn to driving kids to soccer. You know, it's just many things. Or there, <laughs> last year I was planting beans a week in the field and, you know, had to stop at 3 o'clock because my little girl had ukulele lessons. And then back in, <laughs> back in the right. tractor later at night, you know. Or when we were building the barn, my husband needed to be, he wanted to be around here for when there was a big day with our barn build. So I was in the tractor planting beans. Kids got off the bus. I ordered pizza. Daddy and the kids brought me stuff to the field so I could keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and very, pick me up cool. at 9 o'clock at night, put the kids to bed, and that's yeah. the end of the day, right? So Yeah, this will be something that will be aired on CTV. and. Yeah. Scott Miller, actually, he's part of CTV London News as well, and he's doing the main story, and it airs this Thursday night, May 16th at 7 p.m. on CTV London. Okay, and we'll put a link where people can find that. That is cool. And Sally, I really, I think it's awesome that you're this passionate about what you do and that you're willing to talk about it and be a representative for agriculture. I think that is is very cool. Yeah, we we really need to tell our stories, and and get it out there what we do in a day and it's from you because you you just change there's so many hats to be worn right and you you can go from like i said to the field to the soccer field and back to the house again on the computer doing book work and then you're out in the barn again and there's lots of things that we do in a day and we're not just the farm wife there's so much more to it sally at this point in the program i sometimes (laughs) ask some funny questions or I, i i ask for a funny story you know from the guests, but this is a unique opportunity where I think, tell us something embarrassing about Christine Schoonerwood that we might not know from her days at Ridgetown. Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't do, don't do it, Sally. Don't do it. They'll never, it will never make it to air anyway. Christine just said, it's all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Good, good model. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sally, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you uh, taking some time and and chatting and talking a little bit about what you guys do there on your farm in Perth County. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Hopefully, we get a chance to chat again in person soon. Definitely. For sure. This has been the Ontario Agcast. The Ontario Agcast is produced by Christine Schoonerwood and is proud to be part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network. For all the best agricultural podcasts and agriculture video blogs, be sure to check out farmrealag.com. If this is the last podcast we ever do, it's been fun. If not, we'll see you next time.